Hey, Vanessa here. Since you listen to Nocturne, I'm thinking you're someone who's curious about the world around you and loves deeply told stories, particularly those with rich sound design. So you will definitely enjoy Radiolab, a nonfiction podcast for people who find wonder in our world. Episodes are always fascinating, like the recently released Forests on Forests. Hey, there's a bunch of really great stuff here to suck on. What? On Radiolab? We're going up. These trees are huge. Into the treetops. It was like being a detective. To chase a mystery. There's something going on up here. What's what's about to happen? Oh my gosh. And stumble into a secret garden. This is amazing. I know, I know. Whoa. In the sky. Forests on forests. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Vanessa here again. One more thing. Just a quick note to let you know there's some swear words in this episode, in case you're listening with kids. Listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is about this, like a 1950s version of this straight-laced couple goes to a friend's wedding, gets engaged, and they want to go and celebrate with their professor because he taught a class where they met. So they get in a car and it's a dark and stormy night and they get a flat tire and they go try to find some place to get help. And they come upon this castle that's seemingly in the middle of nowhere, and they go in, and there's this strange environment, different people, they're all dressed strangely, and then they go through the whole night of debauchery and come out the other side, different people, essentially. I won't give a lot away for anyone who hasn't seen it in the last 45 years, and some of the people who will listen to this will say, well, you're giving the movie a lot of credit, but it, you know, it's a lot of fun. My name is Wally, that's my stage name. I'm a teacher during the day. I teach kindergarten right now. I try to keep my stage life and my work life separate. The stage life that Wally's talking about is as part of a shadow cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the longest running theatrically released movie in history. A shadow cast is basically a group of performers in costume who get on stage while a movie is playing and act and lip sync along to what's happening on screen. They also encourage audience participation. Richard O'Brien wrote the Rocky Horror Picture Show originally as a stage play, which debuted in London in 1973. The film version was released in 1975, with many of the original cast members, including the late singer Meatloaf. The film version added Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick. O'Brien conceived of Rocky Horror as a humorous tribute to the canon of cheesy science fiction and horror films. It was based off all his love of these old B-movie horror films from the 1940s and 50s. And he added in 50s rock and roll and glam rock, with the effect being something entirely unique and very strange. If you haven't seen the movie, there's a lot of singing, dancing, overacting, bustiers, sexual innuendo, and some murder and cannibalism. 
Back in 1975, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was groundbreaking in its focus on gender nonconforming and queer characters, although it's since received a fair amount of criticism for perpetuating negative queer and transgender stereotypes, in addition to having a couple of scenes that would be deemed kind of rapey by today's standards. Despite all that, the show was considered to be the ultimate cult movie. But when the film opened, first in London and then Los Angeles, the reception was generally underwhelming. In fact, its planned New York City opening on Halloween night was canceled. When it was at a regular, like a 7 or 8 o'clock showing, it didn't do well at all. Very low attendance. Nobody really kind of got it. But then on April 1st, 1976, the Waverly Theater in New York's Greenwich Village presented the show's first midnight screening. This was pure, perfect alchemy. In the context of the night, with its let-your-hair-down ethos, audiences lost their inhibitions and started booing the villains and cheering for the heroes. Soon, a group of regulars would reserve the same seats each week in the front row of the balcony. Lore has it that among that group was the first person to dress up as the main character, Dr. Frankenfurter, the person who wrote the Ten Commandments of Rocky Horror, and a kindergarten teacher from Staten Island. More people started to come, and then they started dressing up as the characters from the movie, and people would bring props from the movie. And, you know, instead of just watching the movie, they started talking back at the movie. They started saying things, telling jokes, because it, it wasn't a movie that really made any sense, and so it was a lot funnier to just make fun of it. I would like you Over time, the more popularity it had, the more that the movie theaters would play it. Soon after the Waverly Theater started the late-night showings, theaters around the country, and then the world, began weekly midnight showings, with shadow casts popping up all over. The midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, with its shadow casts and audience participation, are generally credited with its incredible and long-lasting success. The Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry in 2005. Today, more than 45 years since its release, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is way more than a movie. If you just explain the movie, I could say, you know, the, the IMDb explanation of it. That's the Internet Movie Database. But the culture is so much bigger than just that movie. And I say that because it, it has grown so much since it came out in 1975. There are now shadow casts all over the world. There's so many people from different backgrounds. And whenever I've met people from different countries or different states, it's just kind of amazing to me how many of these people are so welcoming of other people. You know, they don't judge anybody. It's not a live show, but it's not a movie. It's like a whole combination of things. It's just kind of this odd community of people who perform this thing. It's, it's just kind of in its own little weird world. 
a lot of that weird world has to do with the night and what the night engenders and represents. To me, Rocky Horror does better at midnight because there are a lot of people who feel like during the day they have to be this one thing and at night they can be something different or they feel like they can be themselves. That was definitely the case for Wally. When I was growing up, I didn't feel like I fit in terribly well. You know, it's changed over time, but at least when I started, I felt like I didn't know where to be. I was 19 years old, and during the day, I felt like I had to be a good student. I was the first child. I had to be successful. And then at night, I could just let that go and be myself. I could kind of go into a world that I felt like I fit into. Wally was a freshman in college the first time she saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show in person. I was part of the marching band, and one of my friends who was in the trombone section with me invited me to come see the show. He thought I'd be interested in the show because I was a theater person at the time. My bachelor's is in theater design and production. I've never been a singer, and I've been on stage before in live performances, but not a lot. And this is the first time I was seeing a shadow cast. Wally had seen Rocky Horror on television when she was in high school. But this is one of those experiences that is entirely about sharing something with a room full of other people in a theater. Audience members not only shout the lines along with characters, they even throw things like rice, confetti, water, toast, and rolls of toilet paper. And I was sitting way in the back because I was too afraid to sit up front. And my friend was up on stage, but he wasn't acting. He was actually doing tech for the, for the show. And once the lights went down and they started the show, they did some games with some people who have never seen the, show, the virgins. They did some virgin games. We'll take your virginity and your dignity. We don't give a fuck. Virgin games are led by the cast to help people new to the show get comfortable and accustomed to the raucous and raunchy vibe of the night. Stuff like that game where there's a piece of candy under some whipped cream on a pie plate, and you have to find it without using your hands. So instead of the, in this case, Skittle, being in a pie plate, it was on somebody's belly button, so you'd have to go get it without your hands. You know, as MC, you go out and you give out these rules that we kind of make fun of, more like safety rules, like don't have open flames, but feel free to openly flame. We always say, have fun, and then sometimes we'll do a pledge, and that's always a fun part because we get to get people to stand up. I, I state your name. State your name, and everybody do says, state your name. Do hereby pledge allegiance to, to the, the lips of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and to the decadence for which it stands. Finally, after the pre-show activities to warm up the crowd, the MC whips up some more excitement. Are you ready? Even though they may have seen it a hundred times, you still get out there and you try to get them hyped up for this huge, great experience we're all engaged in together. And then people yell, start the fucking movie. One, two, three, start the fucking movie! That first time, Wally was excited to see the show, but she was also apprehensive. I heard all these people yelling at the screen or yelling at the actors on stage, and I'm just like, what is, what's happening here? Like, why are people yelling, <laughs> yelling at the actors? They're doing their best. Because I'm, I'm used to 
going to a theater and sitting down and being quiet. And I was afraid they were going to come out and tell me to get on stage. I was sitting there in the back and, you know, I saw people from the front row getting pulled to be on stage. Come to find out it was people who were in the show, like they were already in the show. So they were just sitting in the front so that they could easily get on stage. But I didn't know that at the time. So I sat back there thinking, okay, I'll just sit here. Uh, I don't want people to pay attention to me. Wally only hid in the back for a little while. I think it was when we got up to do the time warp. They start the song. It's, you know, it's astounding. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Fleeting. And by the end of the first verse, in the movie, they open the door, and then there's all these people that are all dressed up. And when the doors open, a bunch of the actors and tech people, they rush on to stage and they rush out into the audience. And they tell people, stand up, stand up, stand up. And we all stand up and they teach you how to do the time warp. And I'm sitting there in the back, but even though I'm sitting in the back, there's people in the aisle close by that are like, here's how you do it. It's just a jump to the left. And step to the right. And then you do these arm waves. And, and so they were teaching us how to do it at the same time that we were watching the actors on stage do it. And so it was just kind of a huge group experience that I had never been really a part. I mean, it's just this huge thing that you're part of that you can either choose to do or not do or just watch and enjoy. And I sat there and I went, wow, this is actually really cool. I love this. I like the audience experience. brought me to the show was like, so, you want to join? <laughs> and I said, I'll come to a meeting and we'll see how it goes. That was over 15 years ago. I've seen or been a part of definitely past 200 shows. Only virgins go all the way down. I'm in Boston now in the full body cast. Up until the lockdown, we performed at the AMC every week. While the show and the audience participation are irreverent and even crude, the vibe of Rocky Horror is celebratory. It is a very exciting experience, a very connected experience, very happy. Everybody is very joyful. It's more like poking fun at the status quo is what we try to do. Even as an audience member, and I've been an audience member and a cast member, we make fun of everything. And the idea behind it is that we're we're all poking fun and it's not meant to be offensive to anyone. It's just kind of we're poking fun at ourselves, but we're also poking fun at lots of different things that are culturally relevant. Cultural rules are fair game in Rocky Horror. We typically don't do gender roles. And that's another way that people kind of let themselves be who they want to be. I've played Frankenfurter, I've played Magenta, I've played Riff Raff, 
almost every character. So if you are a biological female and you want to play Frankenfurter, go for it. If you want to play Brad, go for it. It does not matter what you identify as. You can play any character in the show that you want. And I think that it has drawn a lot of LGBTQ folks to it. And I myself am bi. And I, I just feel like it draws people to it because it, it is kind of zany. It is where people feel like accepted and can kind of be who they want to be or who, who they feel that they are without any judgment. I think it did have a lot to do with how I was able to explore that within myself. When I had first got into the cast, I had not really been exposed to a lot of that language or the culture of LGBTQ. My family, we talked about people who are gay, but there was no language around being bisexual. There was no language around being genderqueer or being non-binary. There's no language around transgender and just being engulfed by the culture made me feel more comfortable to explore those feelings. In addition to issues of gender and sexuality, the ethos of Rocky Horror helped Wally embrace other aspects of herself. I was typically the one in high school backstage uh, doing the lights or being a techie. And so being on stage was kind of frightening for me uh, in a live performance. And I always kind of doubted myself as being a good actor in general. Um, but somehow being on stage for Rocky Horror as an actor is empowering. For example, the first time I ever played Frankenfurter, that was nerve-wracking. Frankenfurter is the main character, played with incredible charisma in the movie by Tim Curry. He's, he's called Dr. Frankenfurter because he creates these beings like Frankenstein's monster, in a sense. And he's self-proclaimed transsexual from Transylvania. He's not really a drag queen, but he's not really transgender either. He has these very strong qualities about him. He's very outgoing. He's very demanding of your attention. He's a drama queen, as they say. But he kind of commands the room. He commands the room in such a way where the other characters around him are kind of doing his bidding for, for whatever reason. So the first time that Frankenfurter is revealed, he's in this elevator and he's turned around back facing the audience and he's got this cape on and you know you, you start hearing these beats from the music from Sweet Transvestite. It's it's like and then you know in the movie he's tapping his foot to the beat of the music. And so <laughs> I started tapping my heel and I put my chin up. And as soon as he turned around and I turned around, I was like, oh. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual. When Frank comes out, it's just like this huge uproar. People are like so excited because this is the main character of the whole movie. So the first time I was standing there and I turn around and people were going, Woo! 
It was just overwhelming, but made me very, very happy. <laughs> Maybe elated. I was so elated by it that it was just like, uh, this is this is it. Like this is what I want to be doing. <laughs> this is what I want to do with my Saturday nights. Because typically during the day, I'm just I'm not as powerful or confident in myself as I am when I play Frank. The biggest thing I get out of this about doing Rocky Horror, I mean, there's so many different things that I get out of it, whether it's being more confident in myself or just the being able to be around other people who I accept as who they are and they accept me for who I am. And just being a part of the community and producing something with a group of people, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. It's a big part of my, my personal life. It kind of broke me out of my shell and it's introduced me to a lot of new people and new ideas. We all didn't quite fit into the mainstream or what we thought the idea of mainstream was, either growing up or even now. So we're all a community of misfits. We want to be who we want to be, but we can't always do that in the light of day, we can do that at night. We can be who we want to be when we're together and we accept each other. The pandemic has been hard on Rocky Horror and its fans. Over the past two years, some shadow casts have had Zoom performances, and the projectionist at a theater in Portland, Oregon, made sure it still played every Saturday at midnight, even though the theater was closed. The full body cast had a long hiatus, but then a sold-out crowd for all of this past October, including Halloween weekend. Like everyone, they're having to be flexible about doing live shows, but they're planning on keeping them as regular as possible, with no end in sight. There are people who've been doing it since the 80s that I know of. I know somebody who's a cop or a former cop who's been a part of my cast in Boston for 40 years. My mother has asked me how long I would, uh, when I was going to quit Rocky Horror. And I said, I don't know. And she says, will you quit when you have kids? And I said, I don't know, because I've seen people bring their kids to Rocky Horror. You know, even I, I remember working with somebody one time where they brought their young kid because they were producing the show. They brought their kids to a rehearsal. I'll bring them when they're 13 and... You know, we'll, we'll have a discussion about it. If they have questions about things, you know, of course we want to talk about it. I, I think it does open up a conversation about things that you wouldn't normally talk about with your kids. Or at least, you know, you wouldn't talk about in public, I guess, with your kids. You know, about sexuality, about gender identity, things that maybe to me when I was a kid were kind of taboo topics, but now not so much. I think that Rocky Horror is a safe place to at least start those conversations. As to whether the Rocky Horror Picture Show is still relevant 47 years after its release. It does touch every generation. It is ahead of its time. The movie was ahead of its time at the time. There's always been, every generation, there's always been a group of people that have not wanted to be part of the mainstream or didn't feel like they were part of mainstream. And so it kind of draws that, that crowd in every 10 years or every five years or every generation, it draws those people in. You know, we make some of the same jokes that were made years and years ago, but some of them have changed over time 
based on, you know, what's topical right now, political, whatever's going on in our world right now. Or sometimes people just like to laugh. I think I think there's so much stress going on in the world right now that sometimes that it, it brings people together to just release energy. I don't know, it release some uh, some stress. I think Rocky Horror is still just as important now than it was 45 years ago because there is that element of acceptance that people come to see it for or why people come to join a group that performs it. Even right now, you know, in terms of United States, it feels like people are so divided, but when you go to a show, you can feel connected to people, especially the audience. You don't know what their background is, but they're coming to see you. They're coming to be entertained. They could be very different from you. So it's just this, this place where you can gather with people. Maybe they're different from you. Maybe they're not. But you all go there for one common experience and you feel a little bit closer afterwards. And I think we need some of that right now. We need a common experience where people feel connected. Amen to that. And good luck to Wally, the Full Body cast, and all the other shadow casts in keeping that connection going. Madness takes You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Thank you to Richard O'Brien for granting permission to use music from the Rocky Horror Picture Show in this episode. Thanks also to Andy Layton and to Kim Stockhammer at Wixen Music. You heard clips from two Rocky Horror Shadow casts in this episode, the Full Body cast in Boston and Sins o' the Flesh at the Newark Theater in Los Angeles. Don't forget to check out Radiolab, a great podcast for deep dives into fascinating questions with super innovative sound design and amazing storytelling. Listen right here in your podcast player. Hey, there's a bunch of really great stuff here to suck on. What? On Radiolab? We're going up. These trees are huge. Into the treetops. It was like being a detective. To chase a mystery. There's something going on up here. What's what's about to happen? Oh my gosh. And stumble into... A secret garden. This is amazing. I know, I know. Whoa. In the sky. Forests on forests. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Thank you to everyone who supports Nocturne on Patreon and PayPal. You keep this show going strong. Special thanks to Thomas Mewison for signing up on Patreon at the Happy Possum tier, our highest level of support. To find out about how you can support Nocturne, go to patreon.com slash nocturnepodcast or go to nocturnepodcast.org slash support. Till next time, thanks for listening.